Hello everyone and welcome to What to Expect. This is the first episode of the podcast that is in support of the nonprofit that also goes by the name What to Expect. If you haven't read what we are all about here on this podcast, I can read you the quick blurb that I've written for the first episode. In What to Expect, I will discuss stories from real members of the LGBTQ plus community community about healthcare. The name is a play on the common phrase what to expect when expecting, but it addresses a much broader topic of what to expect when facing healthcare as a queer individual. While the experience explored in the podcast will be brought, any profit that is made from the podcast will be donated to the nonprofit. The nonprofit entity will be putting money into funds for costs related to pl- family planning for members of the LGBTQ plus community. This can include cost of purchasing sperm, storing it, and paying for real procedures like IUI, along with many other often costly expenses. For those of you who aren't familiar with what IUI is, it's an intrauterine insemination procedure, which is often used by couples within the LGBTQ community. Um, Moving on. The hope is to be able to bring light to real-life instances of mistreatment and to celebrate the wins in healthcare when they come as well. By using real stories, I aim to uplift voices within the community in order to be an effective ally. Please feel free to send messages on related platforms to share your story. So just to go a little bit deeper into what the nonprofit is about, it's more focused on raising money for couples who need funds related to anything family planning so if you are in the lgbtq plus community and you need contraceptives if you need money for a vial of sperm if you need money for ivf if you need money for iui then this nonprofit is who you need to turn to i truly believe that everybody in this world deserves to know that when they need health care they will be able to afford it and if this nonprofit is somebody or something that can give that sense of peace to somebody in the lgbtq community then we are doing our job so today the story that i'm going to be talking about is found on the reddit page queerception this is a page that is solely dedicated to stories about how queer people are dealing with conception and there are topics about co-breastfeeding there are topics that are related to that are related to raising children in a queer couple. There are topics relating to people's first times doing cycles of IUI, IVF, sperm shopping, and how donor children how donor children deal with being donor children after the fact. So today the story I'm going to be talking about is is called co-breastfeeding bonding donor stories so poetry nerd one writes my partner and i are pregnant due december she has four kiddos who i adore and love from previous marriage this is my first and she's caring i am hoping to co-breastfeed with her and have a lactation consult I'm worried about bonding with this kiddo while inducing lactation is difficult and I'm being realistic. We've talked about if a supply doesn't come in, I can comfort nurse, but I'm worried about bonding as much as she will 
since I'm not gestating. Anyone have tips? We also used a donor we know and aren't planning on putting him on the birth certificate, but we will have him meet the baby once she's born. We've seen it's important that the kiddo knows how they've conceived how they're conceived by the age of five and are planning on letting the kiddo lead if such when she wants to meet the donor. Anyone have stories or books they've used to tell the story? We aren't sure how we want to tell the kiddos, so help ideas are appreciated. So this one was a really interesting one to me because previous to starting the nonprofit and this podcast, I was very ill-educated on the topic of conception within LGBTQ plus couples it's just something that had never crossed my mind and thinking about how children deal with being donor babies and how parents have to deal with especially in lesbian couples one being the one to carry the child and the other to be just a parent figure in their life without having carried her is something that I had never thought about because as a straight woman I feel that it's a lot easier to kind of centralize what motherhood is going to look like one day for me and thinking about having two mother figures in a equation is just I think a little bit more difficult to manage and what I find interesting is that breastfeeding was the question that was brought up in this specific um reddit page because as a straight woman i've always heard that breastfeeding is the way to go because it attaches you to your child in a way that like the father won't be able to do or other women won't be able to have that connection with your child so it's something that's kind of personal but how do you attack that with a couple that is going to have a child with two moms and i want to talk about somebody's comment and the response that was given to them it says congrats on the baby my only anecdotal advice is that as a child of egg donation myself what was far more helpful for me than books was my parents consistently telling me how i was born often a bedtime story full of characters the IVF doctor with the funny name etc and they told me so much that by the age of five I was sick of it and was like thanks I get it can you tell me a fairy tale instead this is so interesting because I think that something that I've heard previously that adoption parents often get wrong which adoption clearly isn't the same situation in any way shape or form but I've often heard from children of adoption that the biggest thing they wish they had their parents had done differently their adoptive parents had done differently is been more open with them throughout the whole process growing up that there was a set of biological parents out there and by far as I've been reading through these reddit pages the biggest thing I've heard is to be transparent which is a huge thing I think today but within the last decade I'd say is when that came to be that sperm donor children and adoptees and other children who are conceived in non-traditional ways have started to say yeah I think the best option for this kind of thing is to be open and I think one of the bigger conversations that come from that is these sperm donors are donating and donating and donating to make money and I think it's hard to conceptualize these are going to be children all half related one day and there's going to be likely over 20 of them and 
they're going to be related and of course they're going to want to know that somewhere out there there's somebody that shares a parent with them and especially if these relationships are open-ended like the original one that we that we spoke about today she said that she wants the child to decide if and when she wants to meet the donor and i feel like that's usually a pretty common consensus that children of donors want to know who they came from they want to see who their or what their parent looked like who they really are and if their personalities are at all the same that was something that i read recently that two children of donors didn't know that they were children of donors until later in life and when they did meet them there were these full-blown personalities almost adults and they were so similar to that of their donor biological parent because obviously the people who raised them are still their parents but those two people both said that even without knowing their donor their whole life they still ended up like them which i think is such an interesting concept that you know social media doesn't talk about when discussing lgbtq plus parenthood i think it's an awesome thing and i think that this is a community that needs to grow as lgbtq plus parents but i think these discussions need to be included when we're talking about it because transparency really is key all of the people in the comments of this person's reddit are so supportive and telling them what they went through and how they managed it and obviously children of donor parents are talking about what they felt was the best choice so i feel like while transparency can be uncomfortable and maybe it does show that there are parts of this process that can be a little bit ugly or uncomfortable i think in the end it proves somebody wanted a baby that badly a lesbian couple wanted a baby that badly that they're willing to deal with a random man to have their kid and i think that's okay i think that like i said those com- those conversations can be uncomfortable but at the end of the day i think it's truly beautiful i'm going to try to find a similar story to see what other people are saying okay this one's interesting so it's general question for ivf how did you choose a donor just wondering how people approach the process and if you want you went with id disclosure what were your priorities ethnicity education donor statement genetics etc <laughs> i have seen i've even seen eye color cited as a thing lol So before I read some of the comments, because I feel like this is going to be an interesting one, I did want to say that I recently saw a TikTok by a woman. I'll see if I can find her handle. Um, I saw a TikTok by a woman that was discussing the hardships of picking a sperm donor that I truly had just absolutely never considered. She was saying how the good donors are listed at a certain time of night at the randomest times of night without knowing that this was going to happen and obviously you have to buy them so the people with the funds at ready at four in the morning on a tuesday are the people that are going to get the best sperm and she was talking about how sometimes there are no adult pictures of the donors and some people just have to guess what their baby's going to look like which is a kind of fun game if you're willing to gamble if your kid's going to be ugly or not and you're kind of stuck with them for no i'm just kidding um but i feel like that's a questionable that's a questionable liability right like i feel like that shouldn't be allowed but i guess in the sake of privacy and maybe if you truly don't want 
any relation to the sperm donor, then maybe it's okay. So, one of the comments says, Okay, we wanted a donor from my wife's country. There was exactly one donor across all the sperm banks. So, the choice was made for us. Oh, gosh. That's funny. Um, and some of these sperm donors don't even have their some of the medical history listed on their on their little profile so you don't get all of the information which is something i also truly did not know and previous to this i i would have guessed i have somebody here with me listening to me speak if you what would you have guessed that a vial of sperm would have cost before I had told you. Like 90 to $100? Yeah, okay. I was willing to guess anywhere from $90 to maybe $300. That was on the higher end, 300 I thought there's no way that they're making people pay upwards of $300 for what they throw into a sock and just throw in the corner multiple times a day, probably. Like... There's literally no way that that's legal, that you can charge people to pay $300 for the stuff in probably every man's backseat. Like, let's be honest here. That's what I was thinking, and I'm watching this TikTok, and she says that having one child, you need three to four vials of the sperm, and the vials can cost up to $1,000 for just the vial. And oftentimes, the storing places and the fertility clinics want to hold the vials of sperm for up to 180 days. That's insane because they charge these people to not only buy it, but to store it. And then they have to pay for the procedure too. So one ch- First time. Like I said these parents really want to have a kid because that's and that's on top of the cost of pregnancy because you still have to pay for the prenatal stuff the natal checkups the sonograms the actual birthing so that's that's on top of the cost of what the straight ladies get to enjoy the process of getting pregnant you have to pay the 20000 to be turkey-basted. I don't know. Something about that rubbed me so, so wrong. And I hope that everybody listening is nodding their head along with me. Okay, this one's a long one, so I feel like it's going to be funny. It's reluctant account made said, Oh, man, it's such a trip. I agonized over choosing a donor and ready way too much into the, or read way too much into the personality stuff. This is funny because on top of the fact that, like, lesbian women get to not even have to romantically deal with men, they get the turnaround of also having to decide which one of the men they don't even love gets to be the biological father of their children. That really sucks. They go on to say, people on the sub actually gave me great advice to pick just a few things that were important to us. We focused on finding a donor with the same ethnic background as me and my partner, someone who has ID disclosure, and someone who didn't have any major red flags in their health history. I feel like those are all very reasonable expectations, and they cite stuff like Alzheimer's and breast cancer as 
like really red flags obviously those can be genetic i feel like that's one of the better ways to go about it i'd say and i think the ethnic background is an interesting thing too because i obviously a lot of couples deal with this when adoption is being considered but having to deal with your child being ethnically diverse compared to you and getting the questions of oh are they adopted and maybe you haven't told your kid yet that they're from a donor but they don't really understand at a young age that just because you look different doesn't mean that you're my mom not my mom's that's an interesting thing to consider okay last one i'm going to read it's a very strange experience we went through european sperm bank and their quote unquote shopping basket icon was a pram it was quite surreal we were also surprised at the uh, amount of information you got okay so for anyone who didn't know like me pram is a four-wheeled carriage for a baby so no adult pictures but there tend to be a few baby pictures, the profile questionnaire. So you get to guess what your baby's going to look like as an adult based off of another baby. That's awesome. Family medical history, written notes, and audio interview. That's cool, an audio interview. Imagine that you listen to this as your... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being silly. Some of this can be accessed without even signing up to the bank. Okay, I feel like that definitely should not be allowed because then if someone knows your sperm donor, they can look up your kid's parents medical history i don't know i feel like that's wrong initially we want to stay local and go through the london sperm bank but there's been a huge shortage here oh we wanted to esb the european sperm bank i believe as they mentioned earlier yes my family is fairly white european and scandinavian that's very white based on dna test relatives have done so we wanted to stick to that i'm the non-bio parent so this is the parent that is not carrying the baby we're based in the UK where it's open ID at 18 and donors are restricted to 10 families. Oh, that's super interesting. America, I guarantee you, does not have that. Going through ESB likely means that there will be other European countries with families, so that's a downside. That's interesting that they can say that that's a downside for 10 families maximum because I've actually heard of children who have 40 siblings that they find on that's a big thing that I've been reading as I've been looking into the topic is that when they do Ancestry.com is that they find all of these half-siblings that they didn't know about, which is really, truly, in my opinion, probably the worst way to ever find out that you have half-siblings. Because it's one thing to find out from your parent. It's one thing to find out from your donor parent. But to go on Ancestry, the place that for half of my life I thought was a scam and was just telling people fake information, to go on there and find out you have half siblings okay that is the last one i'm going to read so to wrap up today's episode i just wanted to kind of circle back to the original topic the original topic of that actually does make me think of i'm i'm sorry i need to there was recently a documentary done about triplets that were separated at birth this is a complete aside but there were triplets that were separated at birth as part of an experiment. And they found each other when they were way old and they were extremely similar, which is, I think, insanely insane 
comes back to the whole nature versus nurture thing. But as I was saying, I just wanted to wrap up today's episode by saying that this podcast is here to hear queer voices. Ooh, that rhymed. To hear queer voices. And like I was saying earlier, while broadening the discussion to these kinds of pages, I brings out a little bit of an uglier side because people tend to talk about the bad on these kinds of pages just to find a sense of community. I think that it does do just that. It makes a sense of community. You know that there are other people out there who are going through the same things as you, have been through the same things as you. You are not unique while being entirely unique. So to end this episode, I love you. And see you next week. Eh.